Napa know-how. Any car brave enough to withstand a decade's worth of multi-state family voyages is worth treating to some quality parts and Napa know-how. Coolant for the Death Valley trip, wiper blades for the Pacific Northwest, air fresheners for the Southwest chili cook-off. Yeah, with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your road warrior running longer, stronger, for many more vacations to come. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Episode 3 of the Brisbane Football Review Season 2, part of the Daily Football Show Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam with you guys. How are we? Good, James. Good. We're here at um, AJ Kelly Park in Redford after yep. the second preseason game. We're in the Pen Power dugout. So, Adam, how are you? Good. I'm good. Um, I think just Saturday afternoons don't come much better than this. Uh, recording the show here at AJ Kelly Park and the Raw had a win. 4-2 over Pen Power. We're going to get to that a little bit later. So... Episode three for this season, it's going to be a little bit different. We're recording it over two days in two different locations. We've got uh, three segments recorded this afternoon on the Saturday before the Raw take on victory in the FFA Cup. And the final one will be recorded immediately post-match so we can get it out quickly. This is, of course, the bachelor party edition of the Brisbane <laughs> yep, Football yep. Review. So <laughs> Somebody's getting married next weekend. Mm. Yep, that's right. No second thoughts whatsoever. <laughs> and I just realised this is an audio medium, so no one could see me pulling a face. <laughs> Why don't we get into that Southeast Queensland FFA Cup recap, guys? Yeah, let's uh, get you out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always in trouble. I say stupid stuff. All right, let's start with August 1, Melbourne City 2-0 over Penn Power. We were all at this yeah. game. Scott, what was your takeaway from it? That was a really good night, actually, up there. Just a really good vibe around the place, wasn't it? 4,000 people up there. It was, well, not far from here, actually, just down the road. But, yeah, it was a good game. Peninsula Power, really, they, they really took it to Melbourne City, I thought. It's just a couple of goals late in each half, really, was the difference, but... They played quite well, Peninsula Power, in the game. The two goals came from Stefan Mork on the 46th minute, just before half-time, and then Bruno Fornaroli put the game away. And it could have been a totally different game if Charles Mendy had scored early when he had a great chance to go through. Oh, look, I'd like to congratulate uh, Peninsula Power on the, on the on hosting that game. That was an excellent night. I think it was more of an event more than anything else. Yeah. And, look, I think... Um, like 4,000 people there at the game, and I think they all would have gone home happy. Results, you know, look, there may not be the result. They may be disappointed, as, as you know, as uh, the co- coach Aaron Phillips said after the game, but I still think it was a brave effort and one that they truly would, would be proud of. Well, we asked Aaron Phillips how he's going to handle the disappointment of exiting the FFA Cup in the round of 32, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, we probably have to take them half chances today. You're not going to get too many chances against an A-League team, so our half chances probably need to go in. And then uh, to concede in the 46th and 91st minute um, probably hurts you in, in, uh, in a game of football. It's the time you don't want to concede goals. How do you feel your team played overall? I thought performance as well. I thought against an A-League team, I thought uh, all the boys put in. I thought structure-wise we were good uh, defensively. Uh, obviously they're going to create chances, but I thought we were good in dealing with most of it. Um, yeah, I think it was a pretty good performance. So... The power, obviously, they had this afternoon to get over it, and they've got the Canal Cup coming up. I actually feel like around the club, though, there was a real sense of achievement getting to yeah. that stage, though. Absolutely. I mean, it was a tremendous achievement for them to get through to the round of 32 for the first time as a third division club, essentially, really, as well. So to get there, I know they beat fellow BPL teams Logan and Grange Thistle, but to get there as the second team from the BPL 
in the FFA Cup history. It's fantastic for them. They did give a really good account of themselves. And that, to Adam's point, it was a really good night they put on down the road here. And they certainly won plenty of friends down in Melbourne City. This yeah. is what Ro- Warren Joyce had to say post-game. Happy with the win tonight? Yeah, obviously, I thought it was a tough game. You know, I, I thought the opposition were good, um, well-organised, and, and had two or three people who would give us a threat as well. Anyone particular stand out for you from Penn Power? I thought the two forwards were good players, but I thought all of them get a, a good account of themselves. You know, if you the opposition manager, you'd be pleased of of the way they performed. I thought they were well organised, well drilled team, and and worked hard for one another. The way Melbourne City came out to play, you could tell they thought that Power were a genuine threat to them. Yeah, they certainly didn't take it lightly. They brought what was essentially their full strength side to this game. They was taking it very seriously, and they play. They they were a bit flat to start with, but they really got into their work as the game went on, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and Power was set up quite defensively. I think as well, and I think it goes to the point as well. I think that they did their video, they did the research, and you know they really sort of defended lockdown on Charles Mendy, who was who was essentially playing a lone striker up front, but he did actually cause you know, a few problems for them at the back. You know, and I thought uh, Ruan Tong especially, um, he he sort of did well to mark him as best he could, but. Um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, Melbourne City, um, it's hard to take much out of their performance other than being their first competitive hit out, but I said they move on, that's all they need to do. And, you know, in the post-match, like Charles Mendy, you know, I thought had a yeah. very good quote about how Melbourne City approached him. Uh, look, you know, I like those kind of game, you know, against good players, you know, that's where, you know, to show what you got, you know, and... Uh, I think uh, they will remember my name, I think. <laughs> all the run I made, yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say. And, yeah, like, there were times where he was surrounded by four Melbourne City defenders who were clearly determined to not let Charles Mendy be the reason that... Yeah, they'd Penn done Power their research, hadn't they, on the fact right. that he was the main threat for them. And he, he was... He did play quite well in the game as well, Charles Mendy, didn't he? He had probably, that chance early yeah, on. Probably that as well as not giving away dead ball situations are, are close. You know, yeah. we, we all know, those watch, that watch BPL know what a threat uh, Richard Hurland yeah. is um, of dead ball. So yeah. they did well not to concede many free kicks of, you know, the, in that they range. They hit the bar late in the second half as well. Uh, Dean Briggs, yes, Dean Briggs he hit the bar. So the they, they weren't without their yeah. chances either. And, that's still, and that one would have actually made it 1-1 as yeah. well. So well, it was, you know... The result that I suppose a lot of us were expecting, but... It certainly it, wasn't a Darwin Olympic versus Sydney FC. Yeah, there were no way, records no. being broken there. The, but, like, at the end of the day, I think um, power fans can all go away thinking, you know what, disappointing result yeah. in the night, but you know what, they should be very proud of their achievement. And they do have a good side. Like The discussion for the last couple of months has been you know, whether or not Charles Mendy is up to A-League standard. And yeah. l- Look, I, he had a bit of a rough night against the Melbourne mm. City defenders, but when you've got yeah. four guys around you, there's not a whole lot you can do unless you're Leo Messi. And we mentioned we're here at AJ Kelly Park for the Raw game today, and he had another good game against that. I think it's just the fact that I believe he would count as a visa player. That's yeah. kind that, of going against, him. If, against an, him. if he was a local player, you'd think that a number of teams would have a look at him because he's a tremendous, tremendous talent. Would he be coming up on Australian I'm eligibility? Sure it's possible. I know he's been here at least three years. Yeah. I, 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 look, I remember him. I'm ashamedly yeah. a Charles Mendy fan yeah, back from his um, Morton Bay United yeah. days. Was he at Morton so. Bay in the first year of the NPL? Because that might be coming up to four or five years then. I, would have, I, I couldn't yeah. tell you off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, I know, at least three years. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that was Tuesday night. Then Wednesday there was a South East Queensland yeah. doubleheader in... North it's Brisbane just and up Adam to talk about the Morton Bay game because he's the only <laughs> one who was able to get out there. Yeah, so Adam was at the Morton Bay Broadmeadow Magic game, which was 4-2 after extra time. <coughs> the first question I've really got to ask is Scott's just choking over there. Yeah, never mind me. 
We don't have a cough button out here at the moment, okay. so unfortunately <laughs> just going to have to deal with Scott's uh, lung capacity problems. Yeah, the remnants of the flu is still here, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, first question, what was your reaction when it was 2-2 and going to extra time? Look, I actually, to be honest, I actually expected it to go um, the distance. I thought they were two very evenly matched teams. Um, a couple of penalties, uh, well, actually there were three penalties given in regulation, um, one each and one that was saved early by uh, Jordan Thurtle. Um, but yeah, look, I thought it was, it was always going to go to extras and then it was going to be whoever was left standing. And the red card, I think, played a point. Yeah. It was, it was a turning point because then Morton Bay came out and scored two goals pretty much yeah. straight after the That um, was a knockout blow, half. wasn't it, really? It was, yeah. yeah. It was, it was a, the sense was um, sort of in the stands where we were. That it was only a matter of time for Morton Bay once they went down the 10 men in the Magic. Yeah. And the other game that night was Gold Coast City FC 3-1 up over Western Knights. It was they Jared Kyle ruthless, James. Yeah. Absolutely ruthless, Jared Kyle in front of goal in that game. I mean, fair play to Gold Coast City because... This was, that was a tricky tie against an unknown opposition from the second division in, in WA, and they put them away quite comfortably in the end. Yeah, and, you know, take the chances you get, and they're all through to the next round. And they also had the uh, one of the better post-game song celebrations. Robbie Williams' <laughs> oh, Angels. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it's better than just the same old regurgitated Premier League songs that like everyone a, else has gone with. Or Horses by Daryl Braithwaite, which yeah. everybody sings. Yes. <laughs> nice I think Morton Bay also sung that in their post-game celebrations as well. That's what I, yeah, yeah, that's where I got it from. Okay. Yeah. So, some of the other big results. Perth and Central Coast have been knocked out by lower league clubs. Yeah. As we try to contain the smile on Scott's face. <laughs> no, it was, that was a, was a really good... Um, the Tuesday night game on TV, Heidelberg and, and Perth, was really... That was the Perth game. Oh, I got my... Yeah. That was really... That was a really good game, actually, the way... I ended up watching that uh, highlights on the after the... Because we were up at Redcliffe, obviously, but... They played really well, Heidelberg. You have to say, they absolutely deserved that. It could have been 3 or 4 nil. To, the look, way to, that game panned To be out. honest, I was actually too. I was actually that shocked that um, the Perth Glory yeah. got beaten. I thought if Heidelberg were up to it, they were, they were a chance. Especially over in Melbourne, we know Glory are horrible travellers, especially yeah. on the season. They were vulnerable. The one yeah. actually that surprised me that I don't that is was um, Central Coast Mariners um, getting knocked over by Blacktown. I look, you know. We thought that maybe, you know, even though we know that Mariners have been pretty sort of ordinary the last couple of years, we thought that maybe with a few, you know, inclusions this season, it's called that'd be better. But um, look, all credit to Blacktown, fair play to them. They, they end up winning it. Joey Gibbs um, scoring the winner. But, um, but yeah, look, I was actually a little bit surprised that, you know, Mariners, I guess, are still. Are they were better though, Central Coast. They looked mm. a lot better. And they will get better when they get their full complement of visa players in. But to Adam's point about Perth, they also struggled a couple of years ago here in Brisbane against the Lions. I remember they got taken to it all the way by Lions into extra time before they scored late in that game as well. So, I I was genuinely surprised Central Coast went down. I yeah. I thought they ha- would have enough. Like they've got a young side with that's full of potential, including when they got back to two two. You expected them to go on with it, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, and like they've got guys like Quabina Rapia who still developing, and even former York. Former young raw player Kai Rolls, if I can get that sentence out, you'll get used to saying it. You'd have to hope so. <laughs> but yeah, like he's someone that can come into the side and hopefully do a job, and we'll see what I happens. Think it was a, I don't think Brahma played either in this game as well, so there's no. still players to come into this team for Central Coast. Although the repercussions are being felt over in Perth right now, where they were supposed to unveil a couple of new signings the other day, but have had to push <laughs> yeah. that back. Yeah. So, yeah, very coincidental that it's happened. So. We might have to get some clarification from our colleagues at Far Post Perth on that. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's everything we need to say. For we should also say quickly, the fourth NPL team from Queensland plays also on Wednesday night. 
Yes, Good luck to her Thank You Heat in their match. Yes, which, which will probably be played by the time you listen to this, but hopefully yes, it's, it's three. timeliness thing, Scott. Hopefully I was it's, save that. Hopefully it's three MPL teams from Queensland into the last 16. And, and I, the Roar I, as well. I'd yes. like to make one sort of final point, just wrapping up the whole um, FA Cup. I think 4,000 at Dolphin Stadium, um, 1,100 at Walter Park on Wednesday night, and I think close to 1,100 as well yeah. at um, Malawa as well. I think, you know, the FFA Cup, I think it's um, yeah. great for the crowds, even though it's on a midweek night. So I think, especially yeah. up here in Queensland, it's live and well. That's it. All right, that's going to be it for this segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review, Bachelor Party Edition. It's James Scott and Adam in the the dugout at Penn Power. And, yeah, the sun's starting to go down, so this isn't getting eerie at all. That's <laughs> good. Yep. All right, so segment two, we're going to talk about the Raw's pre-season friendly. So this will be the segment you're getting a little bit early as a tease for the full show. Uh, they've played two season, two pre-season friendlies so far, 2-0 over Lions last Tuesday night, which, of course, you saw our uh, post-match video of, and then uh, 4-2 today over Penn Power. So it was an interestingly scheduled game today, but we're going to start off with Lions, I think. Yeah, so the Lions game, what, 10 days ago, it was pretty much full strength for the first 60 minutes for the Raw, wasn't it, really? Before mass changes yeah. ensued and everyone was panicking and trying was to work out. it was kind of the two. unveiling of the new system, which is a three at the back with some combination of six in midfield and, and a striker, which is it, it's it working quite well so far, I think. It is. Well, it's a new in vogue yeah. formation. And Absolutely. For me, the big like jump out from it is it's taking advantage of where the side is currently at its deepest, where you've got a lot yeah. of good starting calibre defenders. Adam? Oh, look, I, I think so. You know, um, it, like the, I guess the three of the back system is starting to sweep the world as far as, you know, like the in-vogue formation, yeah. you said. Um, look, I, I think Raw, the way they've recruited the what the position, the players they have at the moment, I think suits suits that. So, um, look, hopefully it works out well. And that, you know, I mean, they need to be sort of adventurous and brave with it. Just because it doesn't work, it may not work at the start of the season. If, if that's what they truly believe, that's what John L. Wissey truly believes in, they should stick to it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it's certainly working so far. A lot of, number of the young players are going quite well in that system as well, which is important. But, uh, yeah, there was a couple of young players that came out in this late in the second half against Lions as well. We saw Emmy Martinez. Yeah, Emilio Martinez yeah. was one. And he's Akbari a contract player with... score sheet as well. Yep, Akbari yeah. on the score sheet. And... In the first half, though, there was a penalty save. There was. Michael Thier with a great tip. I forget who's taken it. Took it now. It was one of the Lions players. That's all I remember. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to forgive us. We are getting old. Yeah, that, was, that was a long time ago. 10 days ago. And I've had quite a few concussions. Then. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That was a great save from Theo, though. Yeah, it was. And... I'll tell you what, those Lions facilities are fantastic. Oh, it's a great facility. Yeah, that's, look, that's again, my, while we're handing out the congratulations, congratulations to um, Lions as well. Like so They've got a very, very nice facility down there. And you know what? <laughs> the, the, the Lion Club especially, that's really nice. Yeah. Might have to go back there for dinner one time. <laughs> but yeah, 
it was a bit of a surprise seeing the three at the back, though. We were trying to work out... Yeah, it, we were. Because, yeah. like, the right side, you've got two yeah. players in, Jack Hingett and Dane Ingham, who, you know, they feel like Ingham is good enough to play for New Zealand, and Jack Hingham's been a mainstay at the club and clearly a, you know, fixture the new the system, Dane Ingham probably would have been further advanced than anybody in terms of understanding that system because he's been playing it for New Zealand and for the yeah. senior and the under-20 side for months now. So you probably understand more about that system than most players to start with. It is going to open up the Daningham sweepstakes for season 2017-18. <laughs> We're going to try and work out which position he's playing every week because yeah. it feels like he's been everywhere. He was centre-back against the Lions and then today he yeah. was playing as that sort of right winger. He's also played left-back, right-back... He right might even have a running goal yeah. before yeah. we know it. Yeah, he'd be up front on Wednesday, probably. <laughs> but it's good to see, like, they've got players that can fill in a few different spots in a few different systems. Yeah. That's important when you're playing this sort of system as well, because you need versatility. Hmm. Yep. We'll talk, probably get to Aloysius' press conference, but Christensen played a different position today as well, and there's a few other players who've played in different roles as well, which is important. Well, I think we've stretched enough, stretched our memories enough on the Lions <laughs> yeah. game. Let's move on to this afternoon. 4-2 win over Penn Power. Let's hear what John Aloisi had to say post-game. So, uh, what, what, uh, what'd you make of it? Obviously, you know, first half you fielded the, yeah, you know, the young lot, guys, a lot which you always planned. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the NPL players played in the first half. It was a good experience for them because, you know, as we saw the other night, uh, Peninsula Power um, with their strongest 11 showed, you know, Melbourne City that they're a tough team. Um, so it was good experience, but I was uh, I was really really happy with the the second half. You know the boys that um, you know the, the senior lads. You know we're in pre-season. We got a game against Victory on the Wednesday, but they they worked well. A lot of good things to take out of it, and uh, extremely happy that Massimo got off the mark. Yeah, know, because that's uh, always important for a striker. Even though he's got all the experience, he's played at the the highest level for a long time. No matter what. Uh, what club you go to, a striker always likes to, to start off scoring goals straight away, and he's done that, so it'll give him a lot of confidence. Any debate over who was taking the penalty? <laughs> um, oh, we didn't really discuss it before the game, but I saw Massimore practising two days ago, so thought, well, he's obviously a confident player in, in terms of taking penalties, and he showed that uh, he didn't hesitate when uh, the penalty was there. Good for Dags to score as well. Yeah. After, you know. yeah, it was good for Dags. He had a couple of good chances. Had two clear ones, um, and then, you know, he uh, he ended up scoring a header, which was a good move from us. Uh, things that we work on in training, so that was good. And I thought the second half we actually, um, you know, we uh, their danger was really when we made mistakes in the first half that they they were capitalising and, and breaking on us quickly. They had. We know Mendy's fast and strong, but we took care of him. TK, you know, we we tried out at the back to see, you know, the, sometimes during the year we might have to play him there, and uh, he showed that he can defend well back there. Jado did well back there, so I thought second half the only danger they did cause us was a set piece. How do you think this new formation's working, all right? Yeah, I wouldn't say that was a new formation. I'd say that um, you know Jack was comfortable in his position. Dane, you know, played a bit higher today than he, he did last season, but um, Dane, naturally a winger. Um, but I thought that would create a lot of opportunities in the second half. You know. uh, if we played 90 minutes with our, our stronger players, then we probably would have created more. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a good hit out for us. 
Nice field too, right? Good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was a good field yeah, good and we want to thank, you know, Peninsula Power. They've uh, helped us during the year with our uh, youth team, our NPL side, and then also our women. And, uh, you know, they've, they've looked after us again today. Great turnout, not only from the power supporters, but also the raw supporters that wanted to have a look probably at Massimov, new mm. signing. And I think that, um, you know, they'll be happy because he's, he's hardly trained. He's only trained one week and, you know, he's still uh, not at the level we know he can get to. But he showed with his movement and how smart he is that he's going to be a, it's going to be a good signing for us. Looking ahead to Wednesday night, two pre-season games, feeling ready to go? Oh, we'll probably be, you know, probably where Victory are at, you know, in pre-season. Victory uh, have only had two uh, pre-season friendlies as well. Um, you know, they've got players that have come in a little bit late. They've been playing a lot of young players. We'll see who they play. You know, we might have to field a couple of young players, but I've got no issues. You know, um, it is what it is. That at this time of year, you have to make sure that, um, you know, we want to win uh, every game, especially the FA Cup game. But we're also preparing for the season and, uh, and doing the right things to make sure that we have a good year. Six goals scored, two wins in pre-season. Take a bit of good, positive momentum into Wednesday night. Yeah, it does. You know that uh, it's always good to win games, uh, especially again today. We had to come back from behind, and uh, that shows that the the character that we've got, same as uh, you know, not only last season, the season before, and the seasons before that. That you know, we're a team that believes in what we do, never gives up, and keeps going. And and uh, you know, sometimes you can end up being a little bit anxious and trying to force things. We didn't. We kept on. Uh, playing to our structures and we won the game so you know two wins is always good to go into any game and yeah that was a press conference with questions from Marco Monteverde myself and Shane Stefanuto at the end Scott we'll lead off with you today's game yeah I thought it was a really good game actually it started off with the young team obviously as you heard in the, the grab there but they played quite they, the young guys acquitted themselves quite well power really put them under some pressure though they really pushed hard particularly on the midfield to try and capitalize on the Usefulness of them. They did get some turnovers and some good chances out of it, but they did. The young guys did did fight back into the game, and the trialless Scapettas had a really had a really good impact actually. As the first half wore on, he became more and more influential out there. Well, Adam, sticking with the first half, was there any player that really stood out to you from a real perspective? Look, I think um, still with us, Scott. What's up? Still with us? Yes, I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> I, I look, I for me, um, Pierce Capetus. I think as as a trolls, I think he um, equipped himself very well. Um, I I think um, Emilio Martinez. He looks he looks a you know, very very good young player on the rise. Um, yeah, look. Again, it's hard to sort of gauge, you know, these early stages where sort of the direction, especially for these young guys as well. So, where first half obviously was, you know, go with the youth, you know, and see what happens. And they'll down to one at the half. So, but that, that's I think that's more as well credit to potential power more than you know mistakes from um, from the young raw sort of outfit in the first half. Yeah, the goals weren't exactly bad mistakes from the raw either. The first goal was a. Unbelievable free kick from the sideline, and the second one they just opened the roar up quite nicely. It so. was a phenomenal free kick from we think Dean Briggs. We that... think it's either Dean Briggs or Richie Hurl, depend on who you be- who you See, believe. I it was there was a... massive massive debate about this in the um the press box. Yeah. The press box. Yeah. See, it was a right footer, so I think it was Dean Briggs. Okay, but yeah, it was just a perfectly placed kick from a long way out that just went in the bottom corner. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's hard to blame the the, the raw players for either of those goals. Yes. So they play, did play quite well in the first half, despite the scoreline. Yeah, and 
as we know, yeah, Emmy Martinez, he was right in front of us. Yep. He was playing that sort of Broich role on the left wing where he was tucking in a lot and trying to make things he happen. He does look like he's going to be a really good prospect mm. for the Roar of the next Well, he, he, go, he does come from the same sort of, um, I guess, talent ID lineage as uh, Tom Rogic. So, yeah. so that um, Nike... Uh, Nike sort of was it? the chance thing. Yeah, yeah, Nike chance. That's the one. And if he can be Tom Rogic with a clean bill of health, yeah, Ooh. yeah. But um, yeah. Then it then came a raft of changes to start the second half. The whole first, 11. the whole eleven changed. Yeah, it turned into the first team all of a sudden with Macklin freaking goals in yeah, place. Yeah, Macklin of... freaking goal. Neither goalkeeper played today for the first team. Yeah, it was Billich in the first half and Frank in the second. But it was it was a good for it was a good second half as well. You could see the difference, which I suppose oh, yeah. is to be expected between the first team and the second. But yeah. the uh, second half power really struggled to create too many yeah. chances but for the most part. It was an interestingly scheduled game, though, because I get the feeling this was put in place before the FFA Cup <laughs> draw came out, as both sides probably would have preferred to not actually have to play in the case of power, yeah. what, three days Certainly after? Certainly in Power's case, you would, they would have preferred to have more of a gap between two high-profile games for them. And I don't think the Raw would have been overly keen to expend too much energy no. tonight with an eye on Wednesday against Victory. No. Well, still, still plenty of players missing to come in um, to come in for Wednesday. So amongst yeah. the 11 changes that were worth this afternoon, there will actually another player that actually came on uh, at the 7th minute. Yes, Yes. You want to go into this or oh, the player that came on? <laughs> Massimo Macaroni. Yeah, he yes. came on, what was it, scored inside five minutes or something? It was yeah, it was a 70th minute change for uh, Nicolas D'Agostino. who had who just scored as well, yep. Off his chest, by the way, yep. not his head like no. in the Aloisi press conference. But that was a good goal. And then it was a Corey He should have Brown. scored one earlier as well, by the way. He should have. And then, nice uh, save from Jake Reesby. Yep. Corey Brown won a penalty and Macaroni stepped up to score. Yep score and you can see the video of that on our Facebook yes, page. Yes, it's on our Facebook and Twitter page at the moment. The Raw Review and uh, Twitter at Raw Review. Yes, well done. You're getting there, James. I know. Oh. I'll hand that baton off to you at some point. I sw- Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then he managed to get a second goal to seal the win, which I thought was a nice little glimpse yeah. on what Macaroni is going to be. He really to the team. did start to show signs of what he's going to be capable of, didn't he? Particularly what John Lusky said in the quotes, he's been training for barely a week. And he looked really sharp. That that second guy, I think those who were here at the ground, it's hard to sort of describe their vision. But those, those who are here would say that, you know what, that is a player that you know has come yeah. from, you know, playing top leagues at the touch, the turn, the shot. Yeah. It was it was magnificent. He's right? not a player here for a holiday based yeah. on the evidence we saw here today. That was, he looked really good. And I, I still stand by our comments in previous weeks that, you know what, you, you know, it's a real disservice to him. Uh, and and the club that you know, if you think of him as a thirty-seven year old player, rather than looking at the player himself, because today, if you didn't know he was thirty-seven, you wouldn't suggest it. Well, I I think even though that's a brief twenty-minute cameo, we'll, we'll try and describe the goal very very quickly. So he you won he won, he won a race to a through ball ahead of the power keep, which I think Reese, was still, still Reesby. Yep. No, Reesby got just got taken off. Okay, so it was a replacement goalie for power, headed it over his outstretched hands, controlled it. Dribbled yeah. along the byline on the left-hand side of the goal and side-footed yeah. it in. He's not as quick as McLaren, but he's still got enough pace to get to a, to that sort of ball as well. Because there were another, a couple of other balls played over the top for him as well to get onto, which he did. So, but as quick as Jamie McLaren yeah. was, Macaroni's got that, yeah, like the twenty yeah. odd years yeah. of experience. And he's quick enough. It's not like he's slow. I, I would imagine you know players, you know, you know, sort of in their you know, late twenties, early thirties, who would probably fluff that. And we would say great, great effort. Mm. 
but he, he was just, just the, how he's poised under pressure. I think he, it wasn't like he was standing there. He was under pressure to get that shot away, and he just, he just drilled it. Yep. And hopefully we get to see more of him play on Wednesday. You have to think he's going to play. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, the other thing to come out of that game, though, was another contest for us to play this season is how many guys on the field were not born where Massimo Macarelli started his career. <laughs> the first half was plenty. <laughs> yeah, the whole first half, minus Luke Devere and probably Mitch Oxborough. And Peter Scapides. Uh, would be close. He, yeah. So there we go. Yeah, there's, that's a game you can play quite often. <laughs> it's a fun one to have. All right, that's going to be it for this segment. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. round of 32 recap show. We're here at Perry Park for the Raw Victory FFA Cup game and it was a rough night overall for the Raw as Victory ran out 5-1 winners. Adam, what do you make for the game? Look, I think at the end of the day, I think uh, Raw will be disappointed with that performance. However, I think as a number of factors, you know, the, the pitch sort of was, was sort of tough to play on and also yeah. while a very, very good Melbourne victory team. Yeah. Scott? No, we're disappointed, but the first half was pretty even, I thought. I know it was 2-0 at half-time, but the Raw had plenty of chances there. Darren Brady had a great chance early on, and if that goes in, I mean, it's a totally different game. It victory were just yeah. ruthless, weren't they? It didn't really feel like a 5-1 yeah. game, but it was just a case of the victory having a really no. good spell either side of half-time. That's what happens when you have a ruthless opposition and a couple I of penalties. I think unfortunately so. as well, you know, 4-0, you know, five minutes in the second half, I think that's almost game over right there. Yeah, so Mitch, Os- Mitch Austin got the first goal on yeah. 26 minutes. Uh, Costa Barbarousas had a shot deflected right into Austin's feet, and he was there to put it in. James Troisi got the second goal. It was a very well-taken finish. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, two penalties early on in the second half. First one was for a Hingert foul on Mitch Austin. Barisha scored that. And then North handball or a tackle on Barisha. We're still, not, yeah. still not quite sure on that one. A bit in the press box about the actual <laughs> reason. But. And, uh, yeah, Mark Milligan scored that one. Jamie Young got very close to saving it, though. He did. And then, yeah, the last one... Brilliant through ball from Troisi where Barisha managed to lob Jamie Young. But That was a good bit of play, that, wasn't it? Well, that was one that was created just with Troisi having a phenomenal touch on his through ball. Yeah. It sort of it brought Young out and basically left him in no man's land. Both kind of positive. I think the Raw had the best goal all night, though. Yes, they did. They <laughs> yeah. did manage to get a consolation in the 90th minute where debutant Peter Skapitis, who yeah. I think has only just signed in the last couple of yeah, days. Injury replacement, isn't he? So. Injury replacement for Daniel Bowles had a cracking left foot strike. And that's yeah, that's uh, two and two for him. Um, he did yeah. his score over the weekend, so so yeah, like I said, I think positive signs there. I think it's one of the few positives I think that definitely come out of that. Talking of positives, competitors debuts today for Macaroni and Oxborough and Scapettis as well, so that's a good sign. Well, let's start with the positives that we can take yep. from this. Yeah, the de- debut from Macaroni, he did get on the ball quite a little bit and had a few clever flicks that I think when he does keep getting more and more on the same page with the rest of the team, it's 
going to lead to yeah, some goals. It was goals. tough for him to come on at 4-0 down as well. I mean, that's not the easiest situation to come on and make a competitive debut, is it really? Yeah, I, I think if he came on thinking he was going to turn it around, that would be phenomenal optimism <laughs> that I hope he can carry throughout the season, to if be he honest. kept up his goal-scoring ratio from Peninsula at the weekend, he just might have. Yeah. That every was, five minutes or so. I think, I, think the, I think the chatter on social media already, I think, about, you know, about Macaron, I think it's fairly sort of, you know, premature at this stage. You know, it's also kind of predictable as well, given it the is, yeah, tonight, absolutely. So. Yeah, so it was, well, yeah, a rough night, but I think it was a case of just more the victory being phenomenally good when it mattered. We got to give them credit, don't they? They were really sharp tonight. Mark Milligan in midfield was excellent. So. Mm, and yeah, Mark Milligan was a standout. This is what Kevin Muscat actually had to say on the re-signings coming back to the victory. Yeah, look, and, and it was a bit of a bonus for us that, uh, you know, Costa, Millsy and James, uh, you know, come back. You now they had four weeks, you know, holiday, four weeks break and, uh, you know, maintained, you know, a little bit of fitness with their individual programs that they were doing. Um, and they come back in good condition, so we were able to, um, you know, get some time into them tonight without taking any risks. Um, you know, it's important for them as well, this period of time, that they, they were... Uh, chomping at the bit because they've got a uh, well certainly the Aussie boys and Costa as well you know, some international games at the end of the month so uh, to get some game time was valuable for them in their personal ambition but uh, it was great for us I thought like I said I thought we looked um, reasonably good you know we still got a still got miles to go but um, for for this period of time uh, that we're in I thought we were as I said you know very good value. And yeah, as we said, Mark Milligan, I think, was far and away the best player on the pitch. It's scary to think they got Carl Valeri to come back into that midfield mix as well. They're getting right back to the team that really, won really the double does. for them a few years ago. But going back to that side, they also would have you know Lee Broxham, who would be the essentially 12th man who yeah. can come in and play four or five different positions off the bench. It's a, it's, it's a scary prospect that, you know, that, that you know, Melbourne Victory's um, midfield side, and they could even... Um, you know, be dipping in the market further to even strike the, even more. So, look, I think they've got a fairly young, decent season ahead of them, potentially. Yeah, it was... Yeah, a very good, very encouraging mm. sign. Like, they looked ready to go tonight. And yeah. and I honestly think, yeah, once those two penalties went away, it was a case of game over and see what you can salvage. Yeah. Really, yeah. Well, I think their, pre, their pre-season form leading up into this game, you know, they, they put eight goals away and they conceded none. So, and they're against, you know, decent, some decent teams as well. Like Bentley Greens, they, they beat 5-0. So, yeah. So yeah. they um, so they came into this with form. And I think as well, to not concede until the very last minute and a decent strike from Scapides, I think um, points point some good signs. And a phrase that will probably matter a little bit more if we were actually recording live instead of this coming out the morning after, but Hume City are going to a shootout with Bentley Greens. Yeah, we're just following that live as we record this here. Yeah, we... You probably know all what's happened on that when you listen to this, but yeah. We just want to go home and go to bed. Yeah. (laughs) We just decided to start recording anyway. Um, Yeah, so for the Raw, I was actually... I thought Brett Holman actually had a really good game, like especially in the first half. The way he was closing down the victory defenders... And his running was very impressive. Wheel front three was really good actually as well. I mean, they all had their chances. I mean, mm. so yeah, the Raw came out with a three at the back formation again. It was Christensen, North, and Hinger, same same group that we saw for the second half against Peninsula Power. Yeah. And up front, it was a little bit of a tweak, I thought, where we had D'Agostino and Brady leading the line, and Holman sitting yeah. just a little bit behind them. It looked a little bit more different, didn't it? It was a genuine number ten. It was yeah. Interesting, but just a slight variation. And this is what Kevin Musket had to say on the rule formation and how they approached it. Uh, yeah, we were aware of um, 
you know what we were going to come up against. Um, you know, obviously John's had to think about things, and uh, you know, even maybe I don't know, you know, with the personnel that's come in, or whether the personnel have come in based on, you know, him wanting to play a certain way. Uh, you know, very adventurous, obviously, with in possession of the ball, um, you know, reverting to you know a three at the back, and then um, you know when they give the ball away, they revert back to that their normal press, or if you like, the traditional press that they had last season with you know, four at the back. So. Um, you know, I thought at times it did cause us one or two problems, um, but uh, you know, thankfully for us tonight, you know, the problems that occurred for us were in front of our back six, you know, the back four and our two midfielders. Where you know, when we caused problems for them tonight, it was beyond their you know, last last line of defence, and in the end, that probably was the, the biggest difference between the two teams. And yeah, it was. Neither coach was seemed to be overly happy with the pitch, but you know, it was the same for both sides. It isn't the best, actually, now I have a look at it out there. It's, I didn't really notice it that much in the game, but now, but now con- that both coaches have mentioned it, doesn't, it, they are right, it doesn't look very good. But but considering some of the other pitches that we've actually seen yeah. A-League sides have to play on in the last few years, like uh, there was that one in yeah. Auckland, I think, which was spray-painted green. Oh, yeah, up, up in North Harbour, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. Um, ironically enough, Victory played that game. So, but, um, <laughs> but Look, at the end of the day, I think, um, yeah, being... At this time of year, up in Brisbane, you know, and I guess I guess across the across the states, you know, at the moment, plenty of winter football with the MPL mm. and whatnot goes on, and I think at the end of the day, it calls the question again about you know pitch pitch standards, you know, this time of year. But you well, know, at, at the end of the day, so far this year actually as well. As, I mean. as, as um, John said in in the uh, mm. press conference, that's not the reason why they lost. No, I think it's yeah. got to sort of take that away from that. Well, while we're on it, let's just yeah. quickly get John Aloisi's thoughts yeah. on the game. Look, you know, uh, because the pitch was uh, so bad, you know, we. Still Still tried to play our football, um, and we made a couple of mistakes. You know that uh, that cost us, and they they punished us. You know they uh, they waited for that because they knew the pitch was bad, and they, they played into their hands a little bit because you know they're waiting for our errors and then try and catch us on the counter. Um, so the, the two first goals, you know, poor goals to give away. But then you know in the second half we wanted to start well and then start to get on top of them, and uh, and then two penalties that. I don't know how he's given him. He's, he's completely ruined the game by giving two penalties. He, I, the, the players said that he didn't even know why he gave the second one. First it was for handball, then it was for Jado following through, and then you just go, OK. And then how many times do you see a player run into another player? And I've, I've watched it again on the, the computer, and uh, I, I don't know how he gave that first one a penalty. So it, it changes the game. Then we keep on going, keep on going, because we, you know, our FA Cup is a little bit for us a pre- preparation for the season. You know, we played a lot of young boys, had tried something different tonight. They put Thomas Christensen at the back because um, Luke Devere, Avram aren't quite there yet, and um, and you know, so we knew there was going to be a tough game. You know, we played with four kids, um, but it was a good good experience for them. Um, we got into really good areas, but with that final execution wasn't quite there. Uh, the difference in the game was they punished us; we didn't punish them. That was that was the major difference. A musky slammed the pitch. What are you disappointed with? No, the, the pitch was not to our standard the way we want to play football. But it's what it is. We, we can't. That's no excuse why we lost. That's no excuse. But the pitch was not good. But they, you know, it's 
winter time, if you can call this winter. Winter time in, in Brisbane, there's a lot of football being played. You know, the strikers are trying to look after the pitch as much as possible. It's not their fault. They, they've got a lot of football on there. And, um, but this is the only pitch we could have used. So it didn't suit us, put it that way. Looking forward with some of the pitch issues in the at some point over the last few years, is that something you'll have to prepare for going into the season? Oh, yeah, we will prepare for it, but um, normally the Suncorp's a bit bigger than this, and when a team like us, even if the pitch is bad and move the ball around, the opposition find it hard to, to be close to us. Tonight the pitch is a little bit smaller, it's a little bit greasier, a little bit bobblier. Um, you know, it was easier for them to, to be close to us in certain areas and try and win the ball back. Made it harder for us to play. Suncorp, not many teams get close to us. And just yeah, quickly, Scott? I should say as I've jumping down, Adam, we have seen some good pitches so far this year. With the FFA Cup link, Walter Park was the best it's ever looked yeah. last week. Dolphin Stadium was excellent and the two raw pre-season games have dished up excellent fields as well. So yeah. and I should say there are some good fields out there. And look, we know pitches are never always going to be perfect, but I do kind of think you've got yeah. to eventually just say, look, you're professionals, kind of play the cards yeah. you dealt. You know, you've still got decent boots, you've still got you know, the team I think, I think with. in the day, I saw the mess from both coaches. Well, they did note the stand. The pitch probably wasn't up to the stand. They enjoy. I think you got from both Kevin Musket and John Alwissi that you know that's not the reason the result played the way. I think that's going to be very important. You know, from that, they're not, and that's that's those comps are within context. Exactly. So let's move on. So the raw, as we said, came up mm-hmm. with the formation, and you could tell there was still quite clearly preseason for them. It's the first time that system's really been tested, hasn't it, against a really top-quality opposition. I think they've found out the areas they need to work on it, and the wide areas, particularly in defence. I think that's, that's the main area that they need to work on. But there's certainly are positive signs of it, because it creates a lot of opportunities going forward. It so really I think does. If, if Alois is going to persist with it, I think it's got potential. Just got to work out that defensive, and the we right should, defensive setup for it. And we should also point out that that was clearly not the first choice back three out no. there, where if it was... Mm. You know, Aloisi mentioned that in the press conference. Well, he mentioned there's Papadopoulos and Devere and Bowles to come back into that. So We actually asked in the press conference about Thomas Christensen and this is what he had to say on that. Normally when you've got um, Avram, Papadopoulos, Luke Devere, Jade North and Daniel Bowles fit, he's very, very back, back, back up. We've got four good central defenders. But tonight we had to try and back there. And it's something that, you know, when we're chasing a game, we might try in a game of football. So we had to test it tonight. Um, didn't work as well as we would have liked. No problem. You know, we have to do it now. We, we haven't got time to do it in, during the season. We, this is the night that we had to do it. We did it. Um, you know, a couple of things that we can improve on. And we will. There's no doubt about that. And we'll be ready for when the season starts. And, yeah, look. Christensen would be, I think, as I always said, the fifth choice centre-back there, but look, it's better than nothing. So, Adam, what's going on in the shootout right now? Uh, at the moment, uh, Bentley Green gave the up. Yes. Good for that. I believe the Hume City player hit the moon, based on the descriptions <laughs> I've seen, so... Ah, so he's been learning from Thibault Courtois. Oh, yeah. Dear. Also, Sergio Ramos hit the moon a couple of years ago. But, yeah, so we're talking about the rule formation, you're like, you think if it was first choice, it would be Devere, Papadopoulos, and North. You would say so. And, you know, the possibility of Daniel Bowles coming in there, depending yeah. on matchups and whatnot. Yeah. 
a work in progress, but as we said, like the defensive group is quite clearly the rule's strength right now, and they're all adapting right now. Oh, look, at the end of the day, you, and you'd, you'd hate to think that, you know, leaking five goals tonight, you know, would abandon the whole sort of the experiment yeah. three at the back. You know, it's like I said, we, we're in August. You know, yeah. trophies aren't going to be won in, at this time. And, you know, I think, the, as, as we said, you know, they've got to go back and work on it. But look, at the end of the day, I think it's a, it's a positive step forward. And having that sort of versatility between the two formations is... Like being able to go to a back four or yeah. stick with yeah. the back I think three. The, the way they're all set up tonight, you could very easily play a back four with that team as well. It's very easy to switch between the two. You could. Easily, I think we're going to yeah. see that as the season does evolve. That they do swap between the two, not just week to week, but in game, as required. Yeah. So that was a not an ideal night. Could have been worse. We could have been the far north Queensland yeah, heat game. That was not. Yeah. What was it, 12 to yeah. 2 or 12 to 3 or something? <laughs> I think for them, like, the it was only 7, but yeah, they... Then again, look, they're, they're only down um, two, they're down 2 1 at the break, but uh, Sydney and I just ran yeah. all over the top yeah. of them, so apparently plenty of highlights from that. Uh, Payne Nickus's um, bicycle kick, which was saved, I think it was 1 up the top, but yeah, no. Sydney and yeah. I move on, and uh, far north Queensland sort of again out of the, at the round of 3 <laughs> 2. All right, so stay tuned to our social media channels. We're going to be covering the draw on that. Mm-hmm. And for now, that's going to do it for this segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review, Season 2, Episode 3, part of the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Scott... How can people get in contact with us? Okay, so obviously, talk about social media on earlier segments. Facebook, Brisbane Football Review. Twitter, at Raw Review. Podcast, Audio Boom, and iTunes. And, yeah, we'll... Email BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. Yep. And we, do, we are doing fan cams again this year when the A-League season kicks off. Yes, we will not be there on Wednesday night because by the time you're listening to this segment, the game will have been and gone. Yeah. We are currently in the Pen Power dugout at AJ Kelly Park, and thanks to Pen Power for letting this go. Yep. All right, so we're going to bachelor party edition again, James. Oh yeah, bachelor party. I haven't got any fake glasses to clean or anything, but we're going to talk about the Raw and some of the other news that's been going around in the last little while. Mitch Mitch Oxborough has joined the Raw as a one-year deal. Previously thought to be an injury replacement, but I guess he's impressed John Aloisi and the coaching staff sufficiently in the training that he's been given a full-time deal, which is good. And presumably extra depth for the midfield from a value perspective. If he can come and fulfil his potential. And stay healthy, then he could turn out to be a really solid pickup. And if he, you know, is injured a lot, it's a one-year deal. Exactly. There's there's limited risk here, really, other than the roster spot and the small oh, the salary you're paying for the player. I just think this is a very solid signing. You know what? You don't. If we go with yeah. sort of, you no, know, not too high expectations. You know, he's he'll, yeah. he'll do a job. And look, he, he's got a, a experience, which is the main thing, which is probably more sought after mm. than perhaps you know, throwing a youngster in the mix. Yep. 
Alright, so we're going to move on now. Also, sorry, James, with Champions League potentially later on in the year, you do need more depth as well. Well, yeah. We saw that last year, yeah. especially. Thomas Broich, the wait is over for a decision, and it's not going to be with the Brisbane Roar as a coach. In fact, it's going to be with FC, Brisbane FC, City FC. Yeah, those guys at Spencer Park are going to be coaching. I don't know what he's, what coaching role is particularly, but the, the coaching role is The announcement was a little bit vague. Yeah, I think I think it's more for um, for shock value as far yeah. as you know, as as a PR stunt. Yeah, from thank what you. I from what I've seen reading the press release, um, it'll be he'll mm. be a youth coach. So John Cosmere's job is safe yeah. for time being as as yeah. a senior head coach. Yeah, um, yeah and and, apparently, and the one thing I inter- that I read with interest is that apparently he will go back to Germany yeah. to do his um, UEFA um, coaching badges. I think Adam took the words right out of my mouth when he said PR stunt. That's that's what it was to me, to be honest. Yeah, well, I hope I hope. Thomas Boyce does. If he is going into coaching, I hope it goes well for him. I mean, it'd be great to see him coaching the Raw one day, but... Well, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. and You know, maybe down the line there will be a pathway for coaches yeah. to start off as a youth coach and work their way up, but... Might oh, get into that discussion a bit more when we get to the academy stuff later on. Yep. But for now, you know, Thomas Broich, he's settled on where he's going to go, and I think... Yeah. It doesn't totally rule out an A-League yeah. return. I've still got... this. He hasn't ruled, didn't rule it out, did he? He's just, just got surgery still to go on the ankle, so... Yeah, so it means he's not going to be playing for a while. Yeah. And as a playing idea, mm. I don't know if he'll be fit enough come October. No. So he might be a you know January option for a team that's short on players. He'd be an injury replacement option, you'd think. Not a bad injury replacement you option. You could certainly find worse. All right, so Gold Coast United are back into next year's NPL comp, oh, no. Scott. Yes, they're back, and um, they've the amalgamation of Gold Coast Athletic and Gold Coast Galaxy. Galaxy, that's the other one. They've merged together. They were originally supposed to be in the new Football Queensland Premier League, the new second tier. Those two have merged together, and they've become Gold Coast United, and they've been elevated to the NPL Queensland, which has confused a lot of people, not not least Gold Coast City, they're who not, they, are not, they are not happy because apparently the, the press release says all the Gold Coast clubs will have some affiliation with this Gold Coast United, and Palm Beach, who who basically run Gold Coast City, are seeking clarification on that based on what their press co- their press release said because they don't... They hadn't heard of they don't They it. don't know about this, so... There's now two teams on the Gold Coast in the top tier of Come football next year. Come for uh, Gold Coast City because obviously they were in the midst yeah. of celebrating their round 32 win. Speaking and, of and PR, then all of a sudden they had side a little bit by Football Queensland. Yeah. This announcement... Um, Look, if, mm. if they were land, if they landed mm. in um, the Football Queensland Premier League, the second division, yeah. that would have been fine. But I think what's got them mm. really miffed at um, Palm mm. Beach, who own yeah. Gold Coast City, um, yeah, is the fact that, that now we could have such yeah. a Gold Coast derby in. You know, and in to the Adam's NPL. point, they were it was barely twenty four hours after Gold Coast City's big night in the FFA Cup, and they kind of kind of leached off that to make this announcement. So and the other thing that Football Queensland need to explain that they have handed out twenty eight licenses for yeah. the for the new two tier, tier two comp, but uh fifteen mm. teams in the MPL and thirteen teams in the um the yeah. uh, QPL. There's also now fifteen teams in the MPL women's after yeah, Western Pride so were this... reinstated after being initially overlooked. So So watch this space as that story yeah. continues to <laughs> oh, It's changing by the week who's in and who's out. So. so and also as well Capel by FC are yeah. now back in uh, QPL, they were invited thanks to this to um, make up numbers yeah. to twenty eight, yeah. This is really giving me a headache, I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'll draw you a diagram to yeah. explain it all later. Oh good pictures. <laughs> Alright, so uh two raw players have been selected in national squads. Aaron Reardon made the yep. Young Socceroos. He's been over in Perth this week um, with that squad building up for the ASC Under-19 qualifiers. They had a 4-0 win last night. Actually, Friday night when you listen to this against Singapore. 
Actually, Aaron Reardon was very good actually in that Lions game. He was, now, you're I right. Remember, so maybe, so hopefully he can take that form in. I think he's been substitute for both the games over there in yeah. Perth. So, and Dane Ingham, who we also saw this afternoon, he's been yep. selected for New Zealand's World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, gonna, so they got two games in September, James. Solomon Islands on September first in Auckland, and the fifth in Honiara. The winner progresses to pe- play. Uh, fifth place South American team in the Intercontinental yeah, that, Playoff. That's yeah. not going to bode well for um, <laughs> New Zealand, unfortunately. It'd be a good be, test for Dane Ingham, though. Yeah, it could be any anyone from, um, who we say? Is, Uruguay? Uh, Colombia, yeah. Uruguay, uh, Chile, or Argentina. Uruguay um, absolutely fifth. love fifth place, so to James's point. And they've been there three out of the last four. They love a fifth place finish, Uruguay. To, to be honest, I think that might be um, New Zealand's best hype of getting <laughs> Russia. Just watch out for that canal behind the goal in Montevideo. <laughs> There's something dodgy in that water. Now, the best news to come out of this week has to be from the west coast of the USA, where yes. the Matildas won the inaugural Tournament of Nations by beating the USA, Japan, and Brazil. How good are they going at the moment, the That's Matildas? phenomenal. Someone, that, someone said the best yeah. national team going around at the moment. I yeah. agree, because that, that, I, I don't think... Not the it, Wallabies? <laughs> Please. <laughs> they might be the Australia's best national team, and Sam Kerr just might be the best female player on the planet at the yeah. moment because she's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, she was phenomenal. Like against uh, Brazil Friday morning, six-one. Yeah. Like she only got one goal, but she was running the show. The whole the whole tournament for the Matildas was absolutely brilliant. I think it's understated about how how important this is. It might, yeah. it might not be a World Cup or a FIFA no. sort of tournament, but you know, to beat to beat. USA, who we've never beaten before. 28 attempts they've yep. played the USA as the first win. We've beat 2011 um, <coughs> Asian Cup champs, uh, sorry, World Cup champions, yeah. Japan, who we've you know, definitely got a yeah. huge rivalry in Asia, and then to, to smack Brazil 6-1. Who they've have played plenty of times as well in big yeah. tournaments, Olympic I, Games, World Cups as well. And as, as much as celebrations are, I think they're going to say how big a achievement this is, and I, I honestly mm. think that you now this Matilda's mm. side, if they stay together mm. and keep progressing, they are going to be a real yeah. threat in France in a few time. Forget yep. France, if the Australia do happen to host the World Cup in 2023 or whenever it is, the next the one they're bidding for, this team would all be in their prime at that point. Mm. Yeah, you took you beat me to yeah. that point, saying it's a group of really young players that can yeah. I feel only get better. And I think as well mm. the other the other person person I guess that deserves mm. um credit Alan Stadic. You know yeah. the, this this Matilda side was if you remember back they were an absolute basket yeah, they case were. when he took over and now that they are you know in the top couple of teams of the world so look I think you know, for all the mm. everything that goes on at the moment now the Matildas mm. what a great story this is. There might be some bad news coming this week around the game but for the moment this mm. is an unbelievable story. Yeah, we're going to stick with. Yeah, that. We're going to ignore yeah, all that. It's look just. Great to see, you know and much, breaking down barriers you know for Matildas. politics gives you a headache, James. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the Raw Academy discussion. Yes. Now, the Raw Supporters Federation had a fan forum Friday night, last night, depending on... When you're listening to this, yeah. When you want to call it... Uh, it was last night when we were rec- when recording this, yeah. so... Yes. And, yeah, we spoke with Drew Sherman for about an hour. He gave a really in-depth yeah. presentation on what the Raw Academy hopes to achieve down the line. Yeah, there was some really interesting takeaways from it. The, f- the first thing I took away from it was just how young the current NPL side is. I mean, a lot of people are pointing out the results of them have not been terrific. You mean and, I did? Well, you you mentioned it on the on the <laughs> question. Yeah, but you're not the only one who's pointed it out this year about the results. And they're all 16, 17 year olds, which I didn't realise they were quite that young. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think they were that young. It, it really does put their results into perspective. 
I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell, like I said, they're matching up well against you know, clubs like Sunshine Coast mm. and Redlands and whatnot, who also got younger sides. But you can tell mm. that you know, when they take on a side of the like Strikers, for example, it's, it's, mm. it is literally men versus boys. Yeah. So the fact that they're not beat, getting beat 10, 12 yeah. mil, I think is actually a credit to them. So I, it was I a think, really good presentation yeah. on the academy as well. He went through it the videos on our, on our um, yeah. Facebook page if you want to go and have a look at it. But he went through all of the, the setup, how it's going to be structured, the how they're going to how it's going to work it's um, really interesting one thing I took away was the coaching they're looking for really top looking for three coaches for each team a really top quality coach we're out yeah, yeah we're out <laughs> uh, oh maybe not because they're looking for a really top quality professional coach who's been in youth club before uh, along with a young coach with potential to be brought through you might be able to get an opportunity there James yes I have and also coaching for th- five years. also further assisted by an uh, experienced player who understands the culture of the club and wants to get into coaching so which of you two are the experienced players yeah, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me think but about that look <laughs> if nothing else you know <laughs> I, I have no idea yeah. how the academy setup's going to yeah. go it might not work, but you certainly can't accuse the Roar of not having it's a plan. It's good to have here. a really formalised plan for your development. The, the plan and the theory behind it is very yeah. good. Whether it's implemented and um, you know it goes down that path you know, in the short term, you know, medium term, look, who knows? But at least you know, at least the Roar have a plan on that. And then like all all the ten A League clubs will will be concerned about how what would happen after the FFA closed the AIS. It really looks fairly and square that you now the that the FFA have put the owners on the A League clubs at yeah. at very least to you know to own youth development. Yeah. And you know what? Which is See what all the better as well because if the play you want the players going into to the A League clubs when they're reaching that age to start professional football, why wouldn't you want them playing? At twelve thirteen, in that in that way of the raw way, playing with each other as a team, learning the way they play. My really only concern beneficial. with that sort of youth development is learning mm. to play the raw way. Is that's all well and good, but mm. we've seen not every club plays the same way. Mm. And this isn't just yeah. to do specifically mm. with the raw, just yeah. with mm. youth development in Australia in yeah. general. It's great mm. to be able to play, you know, beautiful attacking football. But sometimes when you've just got to, you know pull it together and just defend for your life, are they going to have the ability to do that? I think that's one of the reasons why the age group teams are playing up one year. So the under-13s play in the 14s, etc. to challenge the defenders to to develop them as well, not just play against players of the same age group. Because uh, just going back to guys like Harry Kuehl, Mark (coughs) Viduka, you always heard about them, you know, being, you know, top flight uh, NSL players when they were 15, 16. So... If you're good enough, you're old enough, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. And I guess the, the other thing to take away from that was actually where we were at last mm. night. I think you know, that, yeah. um, they announced that the Royal Academy would be based at the um, QT Kelvin Grove Sports Field, which is yeah. a brand new development. It's a know. fantastic facility. Too, yeah, it? it's wow. You know, it's not, not, that, you know, not that bad, actually. So, uh, as a training base. And I, and I think and the main thing about that was, um, if, you, if you heard sort of the vision last night, was that you know, they need a centralised place. You know, even yeah. though we know that the Raw are moving to Logan next year um, and, and we know, we're speaking to uh, Brendan Boss last night, General Manager, that there's going to be developments of that soon. But, um, but yeah, like I said, having the Raw Academy base in a central location mm. at least allows you know, all kids from, yeah. you know, from all parts of the city to mm. actually come in. Yep. Alright, so we're going to move on to our final news story and unfortunately it's a one that mm. we just hate to have to cover yeah. but Monday morning we learned that Les Murray had passed away yeah. at age 71 and like the I just can't imagine how the World Cup in Russia is going to look next year without Les Murray yeah. on the TV every day. 
It's going to be strange, isn't it? Les Murray has been the, 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 the front of the football coverage in this country for pretty much all the time that the three of us have been watching it and probably people much older than us as well who's been at the forefront of it. Adam? Yeah, eight World Cups, you know, Socceroos, you know, Les Murray is Mr. Football. Yeah. And, you know, I guess yeah. I guess for us, we were probably young, like I said, mm. he and Johnny Warren. Yeah. I guess we were a bit, a bit young to sort of understand what you know, Johnny Warren did for the game as well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Les Murray, especially, you know, he was the, I guess, the person that we grew up with, you know, as the guy as yeah. far as, you know, and especially you know, for us, we were all sort of, you know, in a way, I mm. guess, for like better term journalists mm. and all that. You know, he, he, he was the guy. So, yeah. um, who have passed away is quite sad. I think um, the, you know, the state funeral yeah. um, that he's getting, I think, will be truly deserving. And, yeah, we lost a true icon of a game. When no one cared about the game, James, he was there yep. really making sure there was coverage of it. And you want to see his true impact to the game of football. Take a look at all the people from around the world who realis- realistically shouldn't have heard of Les Murray, the guy yeah. from some local Australian station, like the La Liga official accounts yeah. were going, oh, we're going to miss him. I think it was Liverpool. Yeah. Mm. Just everybody was going, yeah. this is a massive loss. And while he'd mm. stepped down from full-time duties at SBS, he was still there. And I, I wrote a piece for the Daily Football Show website talking about like like that Uruguay 2005 yeah. game in Sydney. Like That's the night that turned me from a casual mm. football observer to mm. like, a nutcase fan and he anchored that coverage superbly like I'm glad you mentioned that coverage you want to see like just an absolutely professional display Craig Foster and Simon Hill absolutely <laughs> lost their mind. I think Simon Hill was all right. I think yeah. he was he was able to control himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Craig Foster, not so much. But no, but post- I think that will forgive him that night. Yeah. <laughs> but like post-match when everybody was, you know, just physically drained, mm-hmm. emotionally spent. Yeah. Les Murray was there just going, like, just there and talking us through it, so calm, so measured, and just reminding us what a phenomenal yeah. achievement. And that was that done. was barely five minutes after full time he was doing that. And I think all of, I know I was going crazy. Yeah, at I, that I, point, I, 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 there's no way I would have been able to be that calm on television, that's for sure. I missed it on the night, but, like, that's just the big mm. standout for me is yeah. that night the way he handled himself and the way he handled the coverage. So, and look, he, he was the one that coined the term the wild game, you know, yeah. and it went from, you know, the sort of colloquial term soccer. He coined the term what the wild game and, you know, what, and, that, and that will be his legacy. Football. Yep. Yeah. With Along it, with the excellent on. pronunciations of all the players. Yep. And, like, the one last story I wanted to share that I heard from Ed Wyatt. He was an SBS yeah. American mm-hmm. sports presenter where... Like, Les Murray made sure that he had his time on the air when it was needed, and, like, he knew absolutely nothing about the NFL, but when yeah. the season was running, he gave Ed White all support that he needed, and... Yeah. That's the other thing. Les Murray covered a lot of other sports as well. He he covered, I think, I think saw a montage that he covered a bit of NBL. He covered an ath- athletics. He also co- also was the the lead anchor for their old nightly sports show as well Toyota for a long World time. Sport. Yeah, he was the, yes. the lead yep. anchor for that for a very long time as well. Yeah, and look, he was just... So, well, he was a football man, first and foremost. He was, as a broadcaster, he was able to cover a whole range of other events as well. Yep, so thanks for everything, Les. We will very much miss you on our screens, but, like, we just can't Mm. say enough, like, how brilliant what he did was. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's black! Yeah, (laughs) we started in the light here at Redcliffe. (laughs) 
uh, we're sort of running off the lights of my laptop screen and <laughs> yeah. iPad at the moment. I think everyone's gone home, so... <laughs> yep, but um, yeah, so I'm going to be off for the next couple of weeks for something yes. rather important. Good luck with that, James, yes, by the uh, way. Thank you. Someone who's been there, done that, I wish you the best of luck. Yep. You, you and Beck both. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Scott and Adam will be around for the next stage of the FFA Cup if the Raw are playing while I'm on my honeymoon. And, yeah, that's going to be it for now. Thanks for tuning in. Scott, Adam. Yeah, good to see you again, James. Thank you. Thank you, our listeners. We'll be back in the next couple of weeks. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Any car brave enough to withstand a decade's worth of multi-state family voyages is worth treating to some quality parts and Napa know-how. Coolant for the Death Valley trip, wiper blades for the Pacific Northwest, air fresheners for the Southwest chili cook-off. Yeah, with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your road warrior running longer, stronger, for many more vacations to come. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.